Before we get to our guest, a quick message from our sponsor. Back in June of 2020, I had COVID and I still have long COVID. And one of the symptoms of long COVID is insomnia. I'll wake up at two or three in the morning and can't get back to sleep for two or three, four hours. And it kind of ruins the whole day next day because you don't have any energy. So what did I do? I called Mike Lindell at my pillow and I got the entire sleep system. I have the mattress topper. I have the Giza sheets, which my colleague Christine Dolan says are regal. I have the my pillow, the my pillows themselves, and I have the comforter, which feels like a grandmother's house. It's so warm and cozy. And I have the regal duvet cover on on top of this comforter. So I have the entire sleep system. I literally work all day long. I'm exhausted. I lay down in this sleep system and literally just wake up the next morning. It's amazing how well I sleep. I, I can't get can't wait to get back to it. So what can you do? You can go to MyPillow.com and use promo code CDM and get the best discounts that Mike has to offer right now for the entire sleep system. But don't just get the sleep system. If you're buying household products, make sure to check with Mike Lindell first, promo code CDM to get the best prices. He has over 600 products. Don't go shop at the corporate communists and the big box retailers. Go to Mike first, support the patriotic movement, support free media at CDM, Use promo code CDM at MyPillow.com to get the best discounts and sleep really well going forward. And now let's get to our guest. So today in American Conversations, we're taking a look at a uh, local race, state race here in the uh, state of Maryland. Uh, Nicole Ackley, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Christine. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself because you have served on a county council and now you're running uh, in the uh, House of Delegates in the state of Maryland. Yes, I am. I served on the Wicomico County Council since 2019. <clears throat> I was appointed as the critical area commissioner for the Eastern Shore by the governor. I have served on the local health care board, the Eastern Shore Behavioral Health Commission, and I've also served on our social services board. So then you decided to throw your hat in the ring to run for a House delegate seat. Yes. Delegate right. Mouse had decided not to run, uh, not to run for a third term. And so there was an opening. All right. So th this is sort of, and this is on the Eastern shore of Maryland. You live in Wacomico County, but this seat, this House delegate seat covers how many, uh, and it's not every, is, is it the, how many counties, first of all? So there's four counties. Half of Wicomico, all of Talbot County, a very small portion of Dorchester, and probably three-fourths of Caroline County. All right. So Talbot is your largest, and then Caroline County, Wicomico, and then a small portion of Dorchester. Correct. All right. So um, and, and how long is the term for? The term is for four years. Okay. So tell us why you decided, first of all, to run for these uh the county council seat, and now why you're, you want to run for the House delegate seat? I've always been involved in my community. I've been involved in my children's school with different uh, local organizations. And so when the opportunity came open for the county council, I thought that I could serve the citizens and be a voice of the more rural community um, in Wicomico. And then as I progressed through time on the council, I saw that there was a disconnect with the with the local and state government. And there are many things that the local government really didn't need the state to do and vice versa. Give so us I some found, examples of that. 
So some of the things that, that the local government can do, we have a lot of control over our public school systems. Um, we allocate the funding to them, although there is a maintenance of effort. They are accountable for the funds that they give, and we are to hold them accountable. So I saw that we were able to do things like that. Planning and zoning is all under local control. You don't really, it's not something you do at the state level. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to be able to bridge that gap between the two. There were many local governments, I felt like during COVID, were struggling, local school boards that were struggling, not really knowing and understanding what their powers are. One of the things I think is kind of interesting in the state of Maryland is uh, how few women sit in the state Senate and sit in the uh, House of Delegates. The um, I think the numbers that uh, we discovered was there's two Republican women who are state senators and about six women who are House of Delegates. I mean, shame on these old boys club in the state of Maryland. I'll say I'll say it because every woman is thinking that as they watch this interview. It's outrageous. And my understanding is how many women are in the House of Delegates in the Eastern Shore? There are none. None. So you are you are are you the only woman who's running in this race? There's also um, a a candidate from Talbot County, who is a Democrat that's also running. She's female. Okay. So the, so there's two females in it. And how many men are, are, are running? All the rest are men. <laughs> All the rest of them are men. Okay. All so, the rest so, are men. Okay. So uh, so let me, let me go back substantively. You were on the county council uh, at the beginning of COVID. Yes. Mm-hmm. Tell us what it was like serving on a county council, because what we've seen across the United States is that COVID really energized a lot of people that that became newbies and wanted mm-hmm. to get involved with local politics because they were mad about the mandated masks, the mandated vaccinations, the shutdowns, the uh, virtual you know learning for the kids, uh, the closing of the churches, and and you were there. I mean, you were a newbie technically because mm-hmm. you went in in 2019. But what did what did you see from that vantage point? It was an amazing, amazing transformation in society where I saw very complacent, not complacent, but citizens that maybe weren't as plugged in to what was going on locally, maybe paying more attention to national news and some state news, but not really focusing on their local government, became very active. Our county council meetings were very well attended. I was um, doing town halls regularly, and it was on many of things from the closing of businesses to parents being concerned about schools. They really became active and engaged and paid attention that although we have you know, federal and state laws, it really comes down to our local government and how we expend those funds and how much of a role we do play in our their everyday life. What did you see in terms of the COVID chat uh, distribution in Wacomico County? Um, I saw a lot of incentivizing of the COVID vaccine, which was very disheartening. My husband is a physician. Uh, he's a critical care physician for 35 years, and it was very disappointing the way that I think that um, th- that the entire, unfortunately, how all of it was rolled out and how it affected everyone. Yeah, I, I, I mean, people, I mean, in uh, Ohio, Governor DeWine offered, you know, people to, to, to the lottery. Um, well, I mean, we get a pizza party. Kids were getting pizza parties in their class if they got the COVID vaccine. So unbelievable. So let's. So people want to know. I mean, in twenty twenty two, people want to know, even if it doesn't affect you know a politician in terms of a vote. 
But let's just go down the list because people want to know, are you for mandated vaccinations or mandated masks? Absolutely not. They do not work. Uh, I have always believed that from the beginning. And you know, I, I really think as far as the vaccine, the mask, and I've I've said this from the very beginning, everyone needs to speak to their, their medical provider and make that determination for themselves. I'm not a doctor. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna pretend I am. And I'm not qualified to interpret clinical data. It's really something everyone needs to speak to their medical provider about. And there's also enough studies that have come out that have basically said, of course, not in the United States because the FDA is not going to pay for one because then they would have to admit that the, the masks don't protect anybody from COVID. But we do know from foreign studies that have been done since uh, 2021 that, in fact, that they have there's there's no benefit to the masks. I mean, that's that has been found in you know in legitimate medical journals. Having said that. What do you hear when you're out there, Nicole, when you're campaigning from people? What are, what are people really worried about? They're worried about the economy, taxes, um, the current price of gas. They're worried about their children's education. And they're worried about the transparency of government. What I think you know, one of the positive things that came out of COVID was it forced everything to go online, to be exposed, so citizens could actually see how government was working and the decisions they were making. And I think that was good. Government should be transparent, but I think that's a concern moving forward is trust. Can we trust the government? Can we trust the public schools? So what are they? What are the, What are these people who are coming out and supporting you? Because you, you received 6,000 votes when you ran for, um, you were first appointed to the county council, then you received about 6,000 votes from Wicomico County when you ran for the uh, county council. I mean, that, that's significant right there. But what are these people telling you they want you to do when you go to the House of Delegates? So what I've heard the most and in my area is a very conservative area. And being connected with families and parents and even grandparents who are very concerned about education, making sure that their kids are being taught reading, writing, and arithmetic, not racism, resentment, or gender identity. That has been, that is a serious concern of citizens here and that we're preparing these kids for the future. I mean, right now we have children who are passing high school that can't even complete a sentence. What is, what's their future? What's their destiny? And the other big concern in Wicomico County is public safety. And are these laws really, do we have laws that's go, that are going to protect the police officers and the citizens if, if, if there's an incident that comes up? Are we letting criminals out who should really be in jail? So let's talk, let's talk about the, the, the sex education because I know in the department, the Maryland State Department of Education, they are recommending um, or offering, I should say, offering, you know, to teach kids about uh, anal, oral, vaginal sex, uh, you know, in very young, I mean, first, second, third grade, you know, plus different types of genders. I've lost track of how many different types of genders there are now in the world, uh, according to this woke culture. But that's, I mean, I don't think that voters understand that that's coming down from the top. Mm -hmm. That's down from Hogan's Governor Hogan's administration, who's not running, who's going to, who, who uh, has anointed Kelly Schultz, who's the former Secretary of Commerce for the state of Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, she's running as the, as the Republican gubernatorial 
candidate as well as Dan Cox and other people. But having said that, um, do people understand that this is a real issue? Like this, this is not a theory that somebody wants to pass a bill. This is mandated in their in the the pamphlet, the Maryland Maryland's Department of Education pamphlet. So I think you and I, I think parents, I think everyday citizens do understand that. I don't know if our elected officials truly understand it. There really? is there's definitely some who are very much out of touch with what is actually happening. I mean, I've talked to I've talked to um, senators and delegates that'll say, there's, there's, that's not happening here in Wicomico, or that's not happening on the shore. It's not here yet. I mean, that's that's something going on in Baltimore, Montgomery. They're just not facing the facts that it's here. It's right in front of us. So, I mean, they're they're not accepting the fact that this is coming down from the state, I mean, from the, the, the state education, the Department of Education at the state level? I, I believe they don't truly understand how our public education system works and working with our local school boards, they don't truly understand how much power they have. They have an enormous amount of power. And I don't, I, I just, I don't, they don't truly understand what they can do. Wow. That's so amazing. a lot of people pointing fingers, right? No one's saying, this is what I'm going to do when I get there. When I get there, we're going to have legislation teaching American history, teaching the Constitution, teaching the Maryland Constitution. These kids need to know where their rights came from. So, you're, to, so you're not you're not you're not going to be pushing woke education. You're going to no, be pushing no. American American history and constitutional education. Civics. The woke, yes, the woke education has gotten us. Where has it gotten us right now? I mean, we have ridiculous amounts of crime on the Eastern Shore. Cambridge has the second highest crime rate. Sol Salisbury has the sixth highest crime rate. That's where it's gotten us. We've had victimhood where people just feel as though they're a victim or they're entitled to something. We're not, we're not helping these kids grow up to be productive members of society. Just in the last couple of days, there was an officer who, who was killed. And uh, there's, a, there's a bill that has been passed in Annapolis at the state house that will, if it, it's supposed to be enacted July 1st, just, you know, two weeks away, whereby the sheriffs of each of the counties in Maryland cannot reprimand their own staff, that there will be a separate citizens commission established by county councils uh, in each of the each of the counties across the state of Maryland. And then the, they will the county councils will appoint somebody to reprimand a cop who works for the sheriff's office um, if they step out of line that normally would be handled internally. And these are for small infractions and large infractions. What's your feeling about that? Well, you know, I, I somewhat saw this coming with the, when they dissolved, when they got rid of the police officer's bill of rights, because now we cannot define excessive force. So when you're having these boards and commissions oversee the sheriff's department or the the different police departments how are they judging what is excessive force i mean how do you judge it how does the person next to you judge it that's a very that's a it's a very relative question right you, there's not a clear guideline on what is excessive force so you're asking people who are not experts in in criminal defense they're not experts in police in in policing to make a decision that's going to impact somebody's life 
you know, I just, I don't think, I don't know if these legislators realize what they have done and the ripple effect they're going to have. And it's unfortunate because we have legislators on the Eastern shore who voted for it. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, they need to be called to task. We, this has happened right here in Wacomico County and they need to be called to task. You voted for this, you implemented it. Now, what are you gonna do to fix it? So do you, do you see that on your horizon if you get elected? Absolutely, absolutely. That needs to be, that needs to be one of our top priorities along with this justice reform, keeping people. And it, and it should be noted too, that, that, this, that this bill that, that, that goes into motion uh, July 1st, it's not just for the for excessive force. It's for any any anything okay. internally. You know, a cop puts the evidence away wrong or something like that, mm -hmm. and that's a check mark. You know, that would be handled internally. But even things like that, that is now going to be presented to these citizens' commissions overseeing the discipline of the sheriff's department in each. There is no requirement for a citizen to sit on this board, so they do not need to have law enforcement training. They don't need to have um, training in criminal justice. It can be whomever. It can be a 70 person board or it can be a five person board. Uh, it, it's just. Or it can be it can be stacked against cops with some bias, even exactly, though. Exactly. Exactly. If you have a county council that is you know, stacked against the, the police or the sheriff, it could it's something that could go very wrong. Let's talk about the crime. Uh, because, you know, at the local level, people do see the crime. I mean, there's mm -hmm. no doubt about it. It's not, it's not the city out in the eastern shore of Maryland. It's, it's rural areas, but then they have their little enclaves of, you know, townships. Uh, I shouldn't use the word township. I don't mean that legally, but the, the towns of Easton, you know, Cambridge, Salisbury. So what is it that, that you're hearing from people concerned about the, the crime? Because it has gone up in terms of, you know, because during, I didn't want to say because of COVID, but during COVID. Yes, it did. And it, just coming back to this police accountability board, I've had several conversations with citizens that are concerned that police are going to be afraid to come to their neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. If they are confronted with someone and they have to use, they have to use protection, they have to pull their gun. Are they going to be, are they, are they going to be personally liable for that? Why would a police officer want to put themselves in jeopardy like that? And citizens are very concerned. Or have they talked to you about the fact that uh, they connected, the citizens connected with the fact that maybe some of the cops, you know, might resign? Yes, that is that is a very big concern because you don't have the response time that you once had. You don't get to see police officers. There's something with visually present police officers, and sit so that makes citizens feel comfortable. You feel safe when you're able to see a police officer within a mile, two miles. You, you don't have that. So let's, let's turn to your campaign. What, tell us the platforms that you're running on that are the, sort of the top for your campaign. Protecting our constitutional rights. I am very concerned on the legislation that's being passed, the mandates that are being passed that are violating our constitutional rights. I mean, this is, this is very simple, very basic legis very basic things that our legislators are overlooking and i you know I, the, the republicans are my, the minority party but that doesn't mean we can't still state our opinion and advocate for our citizens um what are the other issues other plans educational transparency and accountability i think that our public school system has got to be transparent 
They have to be transparent in what they're teaching. They have to be transparent in what they're spending and how they're spending it. So uh, let's talk about uh, critical race theory. It's it's in the school systems. People can deny it. They can call it any name that they want to, but it but it's it's all over. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not. It's in private schools. It's in public schools. Um, they call it different names. In some states, they even have. I know in, in uh, Fairfield County, Connecticut, they have somebody who's under contract to come in from New York State for the quote unquote critical race theory. There are teachers that have been forced to take quote unquote affinity classes. Uh, to be broken up according to their races. Mm -hmm. So what what is, uh, and, and as a result of that, there's some violence that's in the school among the children, and some of the children are even going after some of the teachers. How do you, how do, how do, how do you think that we should, that should be handled by, by the state legislatures? First, they need to understand what it is and how it's being implemented. They have to talk to parents. They have to talk to teachers and they need to understand what it is and how it's being implemented. If you don't understand, like you said, it's changed names multiple times. You know, I just got someone who emailed me and said they're doing a professional development on social emotional learning mm -hmm. and how standardized tests are racist now and they need to grade uh, by their gender, not by their ability. That's critical race theory. That's the whole theory of it. And so I think once legislators understand what it is and how truly it's being implemented. That's the only way that we can address it. Do they have a uh, committee on education in the state house in Maryland? They do have one. Okay. So, so I would, I would tend to think that there, the, the department of education presents to the, I, I don't know. I mean, I have to ask the question, do they present to the legislature on that committee? I mean, I have I've sat in on some of their meetings and the there's an Eastern Shore consortium of su superintendents that will meet with the delegation and the senators from the Eastern Shore. Um, there's also the um, the state superintendent that meets regularly with them. I have not seen parent organizations meet with the delegates or the senators from the Eastern Shore. I typically see the superintendents or the teachers union. All right. So, so have you met with some of these teachers and some of these parents? I mean, who are concerned? Because I know that there are concerned groups, but they're not really supported by any central committee on any on either side. Yes. Yes. And and there, I mean, it's not just Republicans; it's Democrats too. We all care about our kids. We all want our kids to succeed, and we all want them to be successful. We have organizations here in Wicomico and in Worcester. Um, I've been to several in Talbot County and Caroline County of parents who are concerned. And I think it's just a matter of listening. We actually, it, it's, it has morphed itself and it's changed in so many different ways and it's changed names that we really need to pay attention to what parents are saying. We need to pay attention to what teachers are saying, not just dismiss them as it's not being real. And why are our superintendents, teachers unions and state superintendents, why do they have a seat at the table yet? We're not inviting parents there. That that's very scary to me. That's using well, the against the people. I think it was Terry McAuliffe who was running uh, for governor against Junkin in, in Virginia, who bas basically got blown out of the water when he said that parents didn't, he didn't think parents had a say in what their kids are being taught in school. They don't currently in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's in every part of Maryland. It's not just Montgomery and Prince George. It is right here on the Eastern Shore. If you talk to any of them, 
Who do they meet regularly with? They meet with the teachers union and the superintendent consortium. That's not parents. That's the government. So, so you're basically talking about getting the government out, out of, out of uh, influencing and indoctrinating children. Yes. What about the mama bears that are out there? Because that, that's who, that's who um, I'm, I'm talking to the mama bears for the last two years and they're mad as hell of what's going they on. They are. They're mad and they're tired of not being listened to. And, you know, if you approach over COVID, I was, I was CC'd and copied in on so many emails to our state delegates and senators of this is what's going on. This is what, this is what you can do to help and never receiving a response. I mean, we have to pay attention to these issues. These are, these are societal issues that affect our economy, that affect the crime rate. They affect every portion of our life. And we have to pay attention to that. So I want to know what, what are you hearing from mothers over the inflation? Because those are the grocery shoppers. <laughs> they are. They're not happy about it. They are not happy about the inflation. And, and the Eastern Shore is our economic backbone here is agriculture. So we need to make sure that we keep that food supply going. Where did you see, uh, did you have a lot of complaints at the county council during, during COVID about the, you know, the lack of toilet paper or, or paper towels? No, no, I, we didn't have that. I would say we had the most about the mask mandate. Mostly about the mask mandate. Yep, okay. That was probably, that took up many of meetings and, and their concerns were, were real. They were real. And, they would try to go to school board meetings. They couldn't get into the school board meetings. So they would come to the county council meetings because our meetings were opened. And so you know, we would sit there sometimes till midnight listening to parents and teachers and grandparents, community members and their concerns with school. And it was, you know, I, I wrote a letter to the school board president asking him to please consider opening his meetings because they were, they were talking to a government body that was funding the education system, we weren't ne didn't necessarily have day-to-day -day control. And they really needed to listen to these, these, these citizens. Did they? Eventually they did. Eventually it was um, a lot of a lot of coercing, um, a lot of asking, and they eventually came around. I think you know Wicomico did open their meetings sooner than some of the other counties did, but it was, it was definitely, they were dug in deep. Nicole, let me ask you this as, as an elected official, what is it about elected officials not listening to their constituencies? Cause that's the gripe I hear when, as a reporter, when I'm talking to, to a lot of people, they who have gotten into politics as newbies since, you know, since COVID, the, the mama bears, the papa bears going down to the school boards, going down to the, you know, throwing their hat in the ring for the county council seats, throwing their hat in the ring like you're doing, you know, for for, uh, for a delicate seat at the state level. Um, even people who are running for the first time on congressional seats or the Senate seats. What? But I, I hear this from the people who are the voters who are going to show up. Why is it that politicians miss the boat on the fact that they should be listening? Now, I, I can, I can, you know, I understand. I mean, there's Joe Gamble has this, this funny, very funny story, um, you know, about you know some of the phone calls he would get when he was sheriff in Talbot County, 
you know, people, people had too many people at their house and these are neighbors calling on neighbors or somebody doesn't have their mask on or, you know, you know, you know, as well as the business leaders whose, whose uh, doors were closed because of COVID. But what is it about politicians that don't really, you know, understand the value of listening to their constituencies? Because the, the stories of the legends, all right, in the Senate, the U.S. Senate in D.C. is all about serving the constituencies. And the best congressional leaders in D.C. are the ones who serve the, con the constituency. And it seems to me that would trickle down to the state level. I, but it's a complaint. It's an honest complaint. Yeah, it is. It is. And I hear it, reg I, and I hear it regularly. Mm -hmm. I think after one, two terms maximum, you need to step away from office because I think elected officials become complacent. They become complacent and they listen to the same narrative and they pick the things that are, you know, what they have heard maybe eight years ago and they're still trying to push that same narrative. Well, that narrative is, is a gone. There's a new one. There's new, new things that come up in our citizens' lives that we need to listen to. And I think just becoming complacent in office, um, you know, knowing, okay, I'm just, I'm, I just want to get through the next election. I just want to get through the next election and saying those things that, you know, you're not going to be everybody's friend. Not everyone is going to like you and that's okay. So then, are you, for, so are you for term limits? Absolutely. Absolutely. I would never two terms, the absolute max I would ever do. You can, you can bring that up to me at any point, Christine, because I will never do more than two terms. I think that you just become very complacent and you lose, lose effectiveness. So what's the first what's the first decision you're going to make once you go back in the if you win the election, you go back in the session? What, what's it, what's what's going to be the, the first thing you're going to look for? <sighs> I mean, the, the landscape may change between now and, and next January. Yeah, I'm really hoping it does. I'm hoping things do. I think really working with the executive branch, I hope that we have a strong governor who's really able to listen to the people. Uh, it's important that we work with the executive branch. That's how you make for good government. And I'm, you know, I hope and pray that we have a strong leader there, but then also working with the Eastern shore delegation, because we are, we represent a diverse group on the Eastern shore, but we all represent the people. And it is different than the Western shore. And we need to stick together and we need to make sure that we are we, the, our agenda is what the people want, not our own personal agenda. All right. So how do people find you, Nicole? Where's it, where's, what's your campaign URL? It is NicoleAckley.com or Nicole Ackley for Maryland State De Delegate and 37B on Facebook. Okay. Are you, uh, are you on Twitter? I'm not on Twitter. No. You're not on Twitter. Okay. Did you, did you get canceled on Twitter? Like, you know, millions of people did. did. I got canceled too many times. I was like, I'm done. Okay. All right. I've never been a, you know, I'm not a big social media person, but this, but the, so, so what else people need to know before we sign off on this? So there's four candidates in the primary and you can vote for two, one from Wicomico, one from Dorchester. Um, and I'm the, I'm the only one with local government experience. And I think that brings a lot to the table. All right. And the early voting is what, what day does it begin? July 7th to the 14th. It's absolutely critical. People get out there and vote. Whichever party you are, please get out and vote. We are at a time that we need to have strong representation. So I encourage everyone to get out there. And then election day is the 19th. And um, 
Do you have any events between now and then? I do. I will be at the, be at the um, Talbot County um, Family Alliance Network on June 28th at 7 o'clock. They're having a meeting, and then we are doing a women's self-defense course. Let's talk about that because you're into self-defense. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And every woman should know about how to handle themselves, you know, with self-defense. Have you, have you done any martial arts or anything like that? I have not. I'm somewhat of a novice, um, but I have, uh, I have seen, and I've also had my daughters trained in self-defense. I think it's very important that even if you don't, if you're not going to be using it, you, you feel confident and you have that power that if you do need, if you have to use it, you can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tell us about your family before we sign off. Um, my husband, Fernando, and I have been married for over 20 years and he has just retired from his medical practice. I have a daughter, Grace, who's 18, Gwendolyn is 16, and my son, Alex, you can find him campaigning with me regularly, is 14. Oh, good. Is he enjoying the camp? Is Alex enjoying the campaigning? He is. He gets a little burnout. Sometimes he's a little bit like, oh, do I have to keep walking, mom? I'm like, you go, go Alex, go. But <laughs> they've all been they've all been great. They're very supportive. I'm truly blessed with a wonderfully supportive family. And so what would what are your uh, how can your how can your supporters help you? What do you need for your campaign? I need volunteers to um, put up signs. If anyone would like to do that, put up signs, um, go to the polls for early voting to hand out literature. That's always something that we need. Um, I have four counties. It's a very large geographical territory. So if anyone can help out with that, it'd be great. Have you received from the Republican Central Committee the correct information for the for the Republican voters in those areas? I have not. I reached out to the Maryland Board of Elections today to get, I have received it in Wicomico from Wicomico mm -hmm. County Board of Elections. And now I've reached out to the State Board of Elections to get that information. What about what about the Republican Central Committees on the Eastern Shore? Aren't the, isn't that part of their job? Um, is it just easier to get if you go to the state boards? I I mean I haven't ever been able to get it from them, okay. so I just get it There's, from. We've, we've heard a lot from from uh, different states where newbies that are running, and it doesn't matter whether it's the Democratic side or the Republican side, but when they go to their central committees to get the roster of, you know, whether Democratic registered voters or Republican, it seems to be that there's a pattern developing that the state parties down to the central committee lines are not exactly helping the, what I call the newbies to the uh, 2022 election. Which now, means I, I did and, run and it really is, it, it's beginning to have a very heavy pattern of now, the I, I state run parties not helping. So I did run for office before, so I do know how to navigate through that. Yeah. If I had not run for office before, it would be extremely difficult. I mean, I know to go to the Board of Elections just because I've been in office and I, right. and I know how to get that information. But if I was completely new, it would be very difficult, almost impossible to do so. And I think one of the things with our central committees is that they also, a lot of the central committees also hold other elected offices whether it's county council positions, board of education positions. So then you have that influence of what their priorities are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Nicole, thank you for joining us. Good luck to you on your campaign. Um, I think it's really important for women to be aware of the fact, and I've got to say these numbers again, because it just, it's heartbreaking. There's only two Republican women that are in the Senate right now. 
That's correct. And there's only six Republican, or is it six altogether Democrat and Republican that are in the House? Six Republican? Republican women. Republican women in the House. That's amazing. That's amazing. Shame on these boys. Shame yes. on these boys. Mm -hmm. Okay, good luck to you. Thank you.